In a way, I'm not qualified to get up here today and tell you what it means to be a mother. I don't have a clue sometimes. I've got an idea, but I'm sure I don't really get it. But I did have an awesome mother. I'm married to an awesome mother. And it just is a wonderful thing to watch moms the way that they can do what they do. Moms, can you think back to when you first found out you were pregnant? I'm sure the thoughts ran from, oh no, to excitement, or from concern to joy, or chaos to careful plans that were laid down, and everything in between. Today, with sonograms, you're allowed to see fingers, toes, facial expressions, and things about the baby, and even determine what's happening with gender. And that means something today, guys. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with Pastor Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona, welcoming a guest speaker for this message. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation online, visit us at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's a word from our guest. The gift that we gave the moms this morning is said, blessed is the woman who walks with God. And I want to add to that, and blessed are we who walk with them. It's just wonderful to have our mothers do all they do. It's, I look around, and I was looking at mothers as they came in this morning and watching them with kids and one thing and the other. And it just brought back a lot of memories from my childhood as I was thinking about what we were doing today. It also brought back, back memories of my own home, watching kids run around and things they were doing. I want everybody to stand up. Everybody to stand up. Everybody who had a mother, sit down. I was afraid there for a minute. <laughs> So, everybody's got a mother, so this ought to be relevant this morning. (laughs) We all rely on our mothers, and uh, they're always there, and we always rely on them. There's a story I read in Bits and Pieces uh, one time that I want to tell you this morning. It says, a little boy forgot his lines in a Sunday school presentation. His mother was in the front row prompting him, She gestured, and she formed words silently with her lips, but he just didn't seem to get it. Her son's memory was blank. Finally, she leaned forward, and she whispers, I am the light of the world. The boy beamed in great feeling, and in a loud, clear voice says, My mom is the light of the world. (laughs) I'm sure we really agree with that. 
because our moms, in all that they have done, struggle or not, they really are the light of our life. Abraham Lincoln said, No one is poor who had a godly mother. He went on to say, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have followed me. They have clung to me all my life. All that I am and hope to be I owe to my angel mother. And I think that's true of all of us that as we have gone through things, and I know it's always not always been exciting, it's sometimes been tough or whatever, but ultimately we rely on them so much. Today on Mother's Day, we want to say thank you to all of our mothers and grandmothers for their undying love. And this goes back generations as it has come down through time. Their untiring, uh, untiring work and their selfless giving and undivided devotion has affected us all. Now I know Mother's Day can be very difficult at times for some of you for lots of different reasons. Maybe your mothers are no longer with us. Maybe they've gone home to the Lord and you miss them. Or maybe you don't have a very good relationship with your mom and it's just been tough in your relationship. So if Mother's Day is difficult for you today, please know that our prayers for peace and comfort are with you. Let's pray about those things. Father, we thank you for our mothers. But Lord, because of life, because of circumstances, some of them have gone on. And I pray that there would be comfort and peace in the hearts of those that miss their moms. And I pray also, Father, you would be with those that have struggled because of relationships that just didn't seem to come together. And I pray for healing, for peace and comfort in the hearts of those that struggle with that this morning. So, Father, we trust you with that, and we praise you, and we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. In a way, I'm not qualified to get up here today and tell you what it means to be a mother. I don't have a clue sometimes. I've got an idea, but I'm sure I don't really get it. But I did have an awesome mother. I'm married to an awesome mother. And it just is a wonderful thing to watch moms the way that they can do what they do. Moms, can you think back to when you first found out you were pregnant? I'm sure the thoughts ran from, oh no, to excitement, or from concern to joy, or chaos to careful plans that were laid down, and everything in between. Today, with sonograms, you're allowed to see fingers, toes, facial expressions, and things about the baby, and even determine what's happening with gender. And that means something today, guys. <laughs> and back when uh, I had my kids, it was all guesswork. You could feel the baby, and there was the uh, guessing of the prediction of what gender it was going to be. And so things have changed, and they continue to change as we go on. All the same excitement grew over time for all of us. Some pregnancies were wonderful. Some were difficult. Some were even heartbreaking as they went through it. As parents-to-be, I remember, in many ways, we didn't have a clue what we were doing, and particularly with our first one. And yet God had entrusted us with a life. 
And in reality, most of that was entrusted to our moms with that life. Raising kids was filled with wonderful, funny, exciting, and scary experiences. I remember the first illnesses our kids went through. My daughter got Haemophilus influenza and had a seizure in the doctor's office and things went crazy and our whole world was upside down. Our other daughter had double pneumonia, was in the hospital and she was like one year old and you couldn't touch her because she was in the tent and we're just scared to death. My son wanted oatmeal and in an air it had been put in a quart jar and he picked it up because he liked oatmeal and he was carrying it around, fell and just cut and you know I went in and he's sitting there crying. It's one of those things you know when the child gets hurt and there's that long breath and then and so I went in there trying to figure out and there was just you know how the face bleeds and I was just scared to death. They'll drive you nuts trying to figure out what is going on with things. But they get through it. They begin to be more independent. I remember my son uh, would be walked to school and holding his hand. He was in kindergarten. We just lived a few blocks from the school. And his mom would hold his hand and walk along and she was carrying uh, his da- our other daughter who was two years behind, for, for, well actually three years behind. And he was walking along. Well, as time went on, he got to where mom walked out there, and he would walk up ahead and check. She was back there pretty quick. She had to stay one block behind. She had to stay two blocks behind. Kids become independent. Then it's good. They grow up, and they become their own person. But you have to adjust and work through that. Then they grow to teens. Oh, the teens. It becomes more and more difficult. There's a lot, things are filled with activity. There's friends. There's lack of friends. And there's relationships. There's a blow-up of relationships. Uh, there's awkward times. There's carefree times. And they grow and they become more and more independent of what they're doing. Um, I remember my daughter's first date. And uh, you're getting ready to entrust your, your daughter to this um, young man and you're wishing that this little idiot you'd gotten his fingerprints that you'd done a background check before they go out you wonder what am I doing letting them go out like this and everything turns out fine but you, you feel like you've got to really double check and vet these guys to see who they are in today's environment that even is more scary sometimes then you're dealing with their fears, their doubts about life. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? What am I going to become? And you're trying to shape, you're trying to make this good for them. Then you watch your young kids turn into adults. They go to school, they go off, they work, they get married, and then another cycle begins as mothers and fathers begin to raise their kids. And let me tell you how fast this goes. I just cannot believe. Young people, I warn you, as you live out your life, get ready. I am still in shock. I just went through this birthday thing, which I thought I'd stop doing them. <laughs> but it's crazy. It is just over like that. 
Scripture says life is but a vapor, and it is. As many of you know, my uh, 92-year-old uh, mom has been going through some hard times. That's where we were last Sunday. My mom had a uh, couple of minor strokes, and, and um, things are difficult, and she's uh, having a hard time. So we ran down there, and we spent the time with her, and she's beginning to recuperate, and I think things are going to be all right. But at 92, it's hard to recover. But one night, Dev and I, when we were there, we sat up with Mom, and she was telling stories. And she went through story after story, and we do that often with her. But it's just amazing to hear all the things. You know, they say when somebody passes on, a whole library, a whole set of experiences are gone. So take advantage of that. Get with your moms and dads. No matter how old they are, hear the stories, hear what's going on. But there's one story that she told that really touched my heart. When she was quite young, just a little girl, her bigger sister, who was, I think, four or five years older, had a birthday party. All of her friends were there, and there was a whole lot of gifts and excitement. And my mom was feeling kind of left out. And she just kind of felt sad, and she said, I even felt kind of jealous, all of those gifts all over the table, and I didn't, you know, I just didn't feel good. So she was kind of off to the side, kind of feeling bad and sad about everything. And after a little while, my grandmother, her mom came, pulled her aside, gave her a little wrapped gift, and she said all of that went away, all of those feelings and she was so touched by that then, and she said she was touched by it still. And guess what happened with that act of kindness when she told that story? Those same kind of things happened with my mom, with us kids. And guess what's happened beyond that with us to our kids? All because of mother's love, mother setting the pace, setting the example, and it had a tremendous impact on us. As I thought of this message today, I wondered what in the world I could say that hasn't been said in messages before, and probably there's not much I'm going to say that hasn't been said before. In, a book, in the book of Proverbs, I think that it's very interesting that God ends that book of knowledge, wisdom, advice, understanding, and everything in a tribute to wives and moms. He didn't end that book with a tribute to some great man of God and all the things that he did and warriors or one thing or the other. It's come to be known as the Proverbs 31 woman. Has tremendous impact on Scripture because it sets the tone for what a godly woman is. But it also defines what we see happening in our own homes all the time. A couple of verses I wanted to just look at there. One was says, who can find a woman of noble character? She is far more, uh, far more precious than rubies. Verse 28 says, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her hu husband uh, praises her as well. A godly woman... Is a, is a wonderful thing. Again, that thing that we started this with, blessed is the woman who walks with God, and blessed are we who walk with them. There are many, many, many 
godly women, not just men, godly women all through Scripture who had tremendous impact on what God did in the kingdom of God. They were leaders. They were judges. They were, they were people that ministered to many, many people, and they held homes together. And indeed, husbands praised them. We could talk about Jochebed, the mother of Moses, and how she hid him, set him adrift in the river, and how Pharaoh's daughter came and rescued him and was so excited and brought him into the, into the uh, palace and raised him. But all the time, God had a plan because of that faithful mother. The daughter, uh, the, the, the sister of Moses was watching what was going on. Go gets mom because they're looking for a nanny to nurse this child. Guess what? Chocobed got to raise her son. And because of her influence in all those years, when it came time, Moses stepped up and became the man who rescued all of the children of Israel from Egypt. All because of mom and God's plan. Or we could talk about Hannah, who prayed for a child and prayed for a child. And finally God honored her request and Samuel was born. Then Hannah dedicated Samuel to God. And then Samuel was used in a mighty, mighty way. Because a mother dedicated her child to God. One interesting scripture that I like to think about is Timothy's, uh, in 2 Timothy 1.5, where Paul is talking about Timothy, I'm so impressed by your grandmother and your mother and what it has done for your life. It says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So it had great impact. I can't escape the significance of the final act of our Lord on the cross that he acknowledged and made provision for his earthly mother. He looked at John and he said, Behold your mother. And then he looked at his mother and said, Behold your son. What he was saying, Woman, look at this man, John. From now on, he will be your son. In the midst of chaos, pain, and abuse, Jesus made provision for his mom. God even put in the Ten Commandments that we as children were to honor our parents. In, in Exodus 20, uh, 12, honor your father and mother. Then you will live long, full lives in the land the Lord your God has given you. That's one of the Ten Commandments, along with all the things that you should and shouldn't do, that everything seemed to hang on. The Lord said the Ten Commandments, and love your neighbor as yourself, everything hung on that. That is one of the paramount things that he thought was very, very important, was that we honor our fathers, and today we honor our mothers particularly. Moms have to be and do many, many things. Um, nurse, counselor, spiritual advisor, educator, nutritionist, accountant, transportation center, maid, peacemaker, entertainer, mender of clothes, mender of injuries. 
He the shopper, and all on a tight budget. Dr. James Dobson made the comment. He says, there are few assignments in human experience that require the array of skills and wisdom needed by a mom in fulfilling her everyday desires. She must be resident psychologist, physician, theologian, educator, nurse, chef, taxi driver, fire marshal, and occasional police officer. And if she succeeds in each of these responsibilities, she gets up and does it again tomorrow. One of the most interesting things is the mom's purse. I'm going to be very, very careful. But everything's in there. Especially when the kids are small. Need a Band-Aid? Got it. Button fall off? Sure. Got a sewing kit. I should have gone through Bev's purse and got a better list here, but... <laughs> All of the kids are grown. You know, the ice cream truck comes by. Mom, wait a minute, see if I got change. And sure enough, there's change. Run out and get ice cream. Everything is there to make sure things are taken care of. I'm just amazed. You can go find a mom. You can get what you need. Everything's there. These are the resources of the mothers. Second is the responsibility of a mother. Moms are responsible for shaping their kids. I really like a piece written by Bert Christensen. It says, Things My Mother Taught Me. It says, My mother taught me logic. If you fall off the swing and break your neck, you can't go to the store with me. You heard that, okay. My mother taught me medicine. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, you're going to freeze that way. I think all of us have heard that one. My mother taught me to think ahead. If you don't pass a spelling test, you're never going to get a job. My mother taught me ESP. Put your sweater on. Don't you think you know when you're cold? My mother taught me to meet a challenge. What are you thinking? Answer me when I talk to you. Don't talk to me. Don't talk back to me. Listen to me when I talk to you. So we had challenges. My mother taught me humor. When the lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come running to me. <laughs> My mother taught me to become an adult. If you don't eat your veggies, then you'll never grow up. I learned to like veggies finally. My mother taught me about sex. How do you think you got here? <laughs> My mother taught me about genetics. You just, <laughs> you are just like your father. <laughs> my mother taught me my roots. Do you think you were born in a barn? <laughs> my mother taught me about wisdom of the ages. When you get to be my age, you will understand. Mother taught me about anticipation. Just wait till your father gets home. Mother, mother taught me about receiving. You are going to get it when he gets home. And the best of all is justice. 
one day you will have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you, then you'll see what it's like. <laughs> one of the other things that moms mastered was the word, yes, very well thought out, and then the ability with a quick no. Third, I want to talk about the recognition of a mother. If there is anyone who deserves recognition on this earth, it's our wives and our mothers. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, In the same way you husband must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you, love, as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is very equal a partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. It really strikes me that when things are not right in my household, and when I talk with men and things are not in their household, this scripture screams at me. Because if things are not right in your household, evidently prayers are hindered that you pray. That's a powerful verse. Everything that you do, men, you need to work at making sure your households are in order, that you're living the life that you should, that it's not about you, it's about everything that revolves around that home. Ephesians 5.33 says, So again, again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. I don't know many men that I watch that you know, I shouldn't say, there's a lot of men I know, but sometimes I'm shocked by how many men are way in love with themselves and not very in love with their wives. Scripture really calls us to step to the mark, guys, and be very aware of our wives. Um, and it goes on to say, and wives should respect their husband, and there's a whole other teaching that we always get into about this. Husbands, Love your wives, women, respect your husbands. We as men of God, husbands and fathers, along with the children of the family, should bless our wives and our mothers with affirmation, affection, acknowledgement, attention, and appreciation. Now, just in case there's confusion, let's define these. In other words, no wiggle room, guys. We need to do this and not assume our wives and mothers just know it. You know that old thing about you know, should tell your wife that you love them. Wives come up and say, you know, well, do you love me? It shouldn't be, well, nothing's changed. I said that when I married you, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. That's not wise. If, if your wife comes up and says, do you love me? You ought to say, well, there's a bear poop in the woods. <laughs> no, maybe not that. <laughs> in other words, is the sky blue? Maybe that's the one. I mean, in other words, make some affirmation that, yes, I mean, it's not just that I love you. I really love you. And... You don't leave them guessing. As a matter of fact, your wife probably shouldn't even have to come up to you and say, do you love me? 
you ought to be talking about it. And then you won't have to try to come up with some expression that comes out wrong. <laughs> so anyway, don't, don't let them assume that you just love them. First off, affirmation. By definition, an affirmation is strong support. It's not just, well, I support you. Strong support. There's no, no uh, second guessing. Encouragement. What does encouragement mean? That means you stop, you talk, and you say, this, you're doing a fantastic job. I can't believe it. And if you, you know, there's no second guessing. You know that your wife does these things. She needs to know that you know that she's doing these things. I think it's interesting our wives often will come to us and give us a litany of what they did today. Well, you know, I changed the sheets and I washed the, this and I did this one thing and the other. And they go through this long list of everything that they did. Yeah, well, you know, husbands, what did you do today? Yeah, I went to work. But wives will tell you why. It's important. It makes sense. This is what I do spending my time. I want you to know about it. Stop and listen. Give encouragement for all the things that they do. Affirmation is also confirmation. You confirm everything about your relationship, about what's going on. You back them up with what they're doing. You back them up with the kids. You back them up with what's going on with their work. You back them up with the struggles that they go through. You back them up in the good and the bad times. There's no second guessing that you've got their back. The second one, affection. This is defined by love, and we've talked about that a little bit. It's friendship. Affection is warmth. And gentlemen, I'm not talking about sex here. I'm talking about acts. It's about the way you treat your wife, affection. Acknowledgement. This is acceptance of who they are. You've heard me say this over and over again. You're probably hearing me say It's hard of me saying it. Guys, it's not your job to fix your wives. Hear me? It's not your job to fix your wives or anybody for that matter. Your job is to support and lift them up and live before them in the way that you should. And you accept them for who they are. Whose job is it to get them straightened? God, not yours. Same way your gal works in the other way. It's not your job to fix your husbands. So you accept and you live before them in the way they should. Tribute. Guys, they love for you to stop and do things that appreciate them. You know, flowers for no reason at all. For just sitting down and talking to them and making time, going to the movies, doing different things that make them feel important, things that they are excited about. Recognition. Recognize who they are. Speak blessing into their lives. Next one is attention. This is care, courtesy, kindness, devotion, help. Sometimes we can really be mean with each other. And guys, that shouldn't be part of who you are. You shouldn't be mean, you shouldn't be rough, you shouldn't be rude, you shouldn't be talking down, you should spend your time blessing your wives. Appreciation, gratitude is what this is, thankfulness, approval and admiration. These last two are probably the most important of anything we've said. Approval 
and admiration of who these women are. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you will do these things, it will come back to you in ways that you can't believe. But that's not the reason we do it. We do it because that's our job. Now, why do we do these things? The affirmation, affection, acknowledgement, intention, appreciation? Because our wives are perfect? No. <laughs> close, close. <laughs> do we do it? We do it for one reason, and that's because God calls you to do it. That's the kind of people we need to be. That's who you should be. How should we do this? Silently? No. We need to do it out loud and often. Should we do it once? No. Ought to be ongoing. How often? From now on. Every day. There's nothing that can compare with the relationship that a mother has with her boys and girls. We dads love our children just as much, but we work. We're gone from the house a lot. Uh, in this day and age, lots of times mothers are too. But it seems like, even though we love our kids, we do the we get uh, to do the kind of big things with them. We go to the zoo. We go fishing. We do tea parties with our daughter. We go fly a kite. We kind of take time to do these chunks of things that are kind of fun. And um, mothers often seem to do all the light and significant things, like give birth. What? <laughs> Just kidding. That's huge. Okay, guys. Anybody that's ever been in the delivery room, I can't, I can't believe what goes on. <laughs> All of us wimps would just melt away. But it's, it, it was wonderful. I was in the delivery room with my kids when they were born, and they, you think trumpets ought to go off. But what our wives go through to bring that little one into the world. But it seems like that they get the brunt of a lot of other stuff like the dirty diapers, washing their clothes, giving them a bath, feed them, take them to school, sit down by their bed when they're sick, place a Band-Aid on their knee when they fall, dry their eyes when they cry. Obviously, men, we should share in much of this. And I must say, in the last generation or two, it seems like the younger men are stepping more to the mark than they used to. In my generation... There was a definite line, well, this is women's work, this is men's work, and that was a bunch of nonsense. All this stuff's got to get done. Let's all just jump in and get it done. I got one applaud on that. <laughs> the truth of the matter is that moms often know kids better than their dads. Who is it they call when they really need something? Often it's a mom. They call on the one who tends to be more compassionate and sympathetic often. After all, who does the football player say hi to on the TV interview when he's there? Hi, mom. Usually it's not the dad. Wives and moms balance between the big kid in the family 
and the children. One summer evening during a, during a violent thunderstorm, a mother was tucking her small boy in bed. She was about to turn off the light when he asked with the tremor in his voice, Mommy, will you sleep with me tonight? Mom smiled and gave him a reassuring hug. I can't, dear, she said. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. A long silence was broken at last with a shaky little voice. The big sissy. (laughs) 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 I have a charge I want to give to you men. Husbands, I want you to think about what God has called you to do in your homes. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility as prophet and priest over our homes and families to create an environment where God's presence can dwell. An environment where our wives and mothers can step into their God-given role and thrive. An environment where children are expected to honor their mothers and fathers. When this happens, a mother can step into her role as the heart of the home. The gifts and blessings that are are God-given in each mother, and this can flourish. Sometimes mothers can't fulfill their calling because husbands and children fight there every every step of the way. Men, speak and act out with words of life and blessing over your wife and your family. Children, be a blessing to your mothers, your parents, so that they can fulfill God's work in their homes. This is a charge to you men that you need to step up and become the prophet and priest and king of your homes. You are to guide, govern, and guard your homes with everything in you that is biblical, to become the people, to become the men that are going to allow your families to thrive. And guess what? That's not your wife's job. That's yours as the head of your household to become the men that you're supposed to. That's right. There's a saying that says the, um, let's see if I can think of it now. Help me. Men, um, about the eminent from the king. The character of the kingdom emanate from the character of the king. The characteristics of the kingdom emanate from the character of the king. If there are problems in your house, where's the problem? The men. If things aren't right with your wife in terms of the way they work, where's the problem in terms of setting the tone for the house? It's the men. Mothers can do phenomenal things, but it's up to us to be the men we're supposed to. So I put that charge before you men so that our mothers can become even more fantastic than they already are. 
can we all agree with the final statement that we begin with? Blessed is the woman who walks with God, and blessed are we who walk with them. From the guest of Pastor Tim Masters and Victorious Life Christian Center with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding from Pastor Tim Masters and the Congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center. You're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.